Shalom Mishpocha. Welcome to our 50th Kadima Talk. I don't know where the time goes, but this is a milestone for us, our 50th Kadima Talk. Today I want to share with you about transparency in ministry. There's a lot of talk about transparencies these days and about being transparent in serving Adonai. And this is critical now more than probably ever before with the uh, suppression of our uh, First Amendment rights, freedom to speech, with the suppression of the cancel culture all around us. And we've seen the recent activity from the Ravi Zacharias uh, scandal upon his death. All these victims are coming forth uh, that he'd been um, inappropriately touching and in inappropriate relationships with women uh, through various uh, massage parlors and this sort of thing. And, and it's a sad day when such a profound... Uh, what appeared to be a profound ministry. Well, that was a profound ministry. Somebody who got saved under that ministry 15 years ago is no less saved today. But it brings a lot of pain uh, and bad reflection upon the greater kingdom when we have someone serving God who's living a dual lifestyle, which is more than possible because uh, we see it recorded in Scripture itself. Uh, one of the great prophets, men of God, uh, Samson, uh, is a Nazir. He's got supernatural strength, but he's sleeping with um, prostitutes. And uh, after getting out of bed with a prostitute, he goes and picks up the city gate and judges, I think it's chapter 16, and uh, and picks the whole thing up on his shoulders and, and throws it at, at the enemies. And so there's a lot of um, danger in serving these uh, dual lives because sin destroys the camp. Sin equals death. And uh, now, you know, what was he in ministry for? 35, 40, 45 years. I'm not sure how long. It was quite some time and a well-known international speaker and apologetist. And now it's all crumbled down. And uh, and I've shared this in previous talks that this puts a black eye on all of us, no matter if you're a Messianic Jew or a Christian, because it's reflective. People who aren't in the kingdom say, well, that's what they do. And, uh, and we know otherwise that that's not the truth. And so we learn from these things. We move forward. And, uh, and it really requires a transparency in ministry. There's a real need to be relevant, to be real, to work together in this day and hour. Dark days are ahead. I've been sharing this all along. And the only way we're going to get through this is to truly be like a band of brothers, a band of brothers and sisters. We're going to have to rely on each other, support each other, and defend each other in the coming days, just as it was 2,000 years ago. However, in the body, there's a tendency today— to talk about the surface fluff and, and you know, uh, hey, I, I occasionally drive over the speed limit. I eat too much at buffets. I'm behind on my chores list at the house. I don't like my job. I'm impatient. I don't pray enough. I don't read enough of the word. And, uh, you know, we share these things with other believers over a cup of coffee and laugh a little, share scripture, maybe say a prayer and, you know, believe all is well. But this isn't true, real transparency. It's a facade. It's It's superficial at best. And at worst, it's incredibly deceptive. It's pretended to be transparent, pretended to be open and honest, yet it's a farce. It's a facade. It's the easy things that are apparent. Everyone can see these behaviors in you already, and they know you're engaged in it. There's an old adage for this. Tell me something I don't know. Real transparency is painful. Real transparency is between fellow believers, brothers and sisters in the Kehelet and a congregation sharing the deeper, more painful desires of the flesh, the disobedience, evil thoughts, evil actions, the temptations, real sin and wickedness in our lives. It's difficult for those sharing it, and it's also difficult for those hearing it. James 5.16 says, Therefore, openly acknowledge. 
exam o orgio, which means confess openly in the Greek, openly acknowledge, to declare openly, to speak out freely. Openly confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The first step to healing and restoration is is to be transparent and admit there are issues. No one, and I mean no one, is perfect except for Yeshua. All of us have shortcomings. All of us have character faults. Uh, You know, and it's important to realize those weaknesses and to surround yourself with people of accountability, those who know you, those who will speak truth into your life and not be a yes person. Pride will keep one from confessing and admitting wrongdoing. Transparency is painful, it's embarrassing, it's shameful, humbling, and it's extremely difficult to do. It requires great trust, vulnerability, and confidentiality on all confidentiality on all those who are involved. There's always the fear that someone will gossip or share our deepest, darkest secrets. This is why ancient paths that we're so heavily involved in is so critical that we go through these things and openly confess these these issues we have, deep-seated issues. Sometimes these things are from 20, 30, 40 years ago. We don't understand why we're angry all the time. We don't understand why we keep dancing around the same mountain, falling to the same temptations and sin. You know, it, and I've shared this before, this is so profound. One of my best mates in school, one of my best friends, was so ashamed of his father. His father was a roaring alcoholic. Now, he didn't drink, you know, all day long from the coffee cup at work, but he would come home every night and after dinner, drink until he passed out. He never wanted us to go to his house. We never hung out there because his dad would slur and he would, you know, and and, and I remember my friend always saying, I'm never going to be like him. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to grow up to be like that. Every one of us has said the same thing, but this is, this is the, the issue with iniquities uh, those inward curses that pass from generation to generation. If you come from a family of alcoholics, you are over 80% probable to grow up and become an alcoholic yourself. If you came from an abusive family, you're in the high 80 percentile that you yourself would become an abusive spouse, an abusive parent. Because these curses, these iniquities, unless they're dealt with, unless we're transparent and bring it out to the open, they just keep going generation to generation to generation. That's why I'm such a fan of ancient paths to really get clean and be transparent before the Lord, even though it's difficult, even though it's hard. Being transparent in the kingdom, it's not optional. There's great profitability in being transparent as it leads to obedience and submission to Adonai. It draws us closer to him. It allows for greater intimacy and a deeper relationship. If we talk in accountability, if we bear one another's burdens, confess our sins, we subdue it. We're released from its chains, its fetters of imprisonment, and we are truly set free. Confessing our sins is a fruit of obedience to Yeshua's commands. This is performed through teshuva, which is a dual-meaning word. It means to turn away from sin, to repent, and turn back to Adonai. Repentance, everyday life, and all of its trappings continue to place obstacles and distractions before us in our journey to the throne room and his glorious presence. Adonai beckons to us. He calls out to us to repent, to change our behavior, our actions, so that we will truly have a contrite, humble, repentant heart. Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24, David exclaims, Examine me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. This is a profound prayer of transparency. 
He's being brutally honest with God. He's saying, examine me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Verse 24, see if there is in me any hurtful way and lead me along the eternal way. Teshuvah, repentance, a transparent relationship with God requires commitment. When you demonstrate a commitment to God, when you entrust yourself to his will and authority in your life, it allows God to invade you with his heavenly glory. Streams of living water begin to flow from your inmost being. The natural is invaded with the supernatural, but there must be transparency and commitment to the Lord. Proverbs 16 verse 3 says, Commit your work to the Lord, then your plans will succeed. Accountability for transparency is critical. Accountability allows individuals to overcome sin and to grow in holiness, purity, and righteousness. You don't want people who will listen to you and agree with you all the time. You must have someone you can speak to and share with who will speak truth and the Word of God back into you. There must be accountability for your behavior and actions. Remember the privilege Adonai has placed upon you to serve him and tend his flock. You must abide by an uncompromising code of integrity. You have to take full responsibility for your actions and keep your vows and your word. You have to conduct yourself in the highest ethical manner in relationships with leadership, congregates, and the greater Kehela. And and I got to pause here for a second because over the years, this has been over 20 years now we've been in a congregation, and, uh, and it has probably been a dozen times I've gone up on a Shabbat and apologized to the congregation uh, for something that that I taught wrong, that I preached wrong, that I had a misunderstanding. Uh, I even did it recently when I got caught up in this cobble of all these uh, uh, false prophets saying things were going to happen in January, which never came to pass. Deuteronomy says, how do you know they're a real prophet? What they say comes to pass. So, uh, you know, I was a little upset and disappointed at myself. But by being transparent, by standing before the people with integrity and, and character and take full responsibility for your actions— it brings great credibility and trust to you as a leader and to the congregation. We have to conduct ourselves in the highest ethical manner. I've said this a million times in the last 20 years. I never take female anybody to dinner, to lunch, that work with us that are a congregate. I don't meet with uh, women by myself in my office. If we have to counsel, my wife is there, someone else is in the room. I'm never caught in the trap of being in a room with a woman by myself with no one else there to keep this accountable and above board. Even if nothing's happening, what would happen if someone walked by and saw their rabbi with a woman by themselves, uh, you know, at a coffee shop somewhere, at lunch, uh, even in a room with the door closed? We just don't do that. There must be the highest ethical manner in our relationships with the leadership, with staff, congregates, with the greater Kehillah, even in your business relationships. This is how people get into trouble all the time and get caught into affairs and they get caught in the traps and sin of the enemy. The price of sin is death. And the fear of the Lord must be greater in us than the desire to fall or cave into the temptation and come into sin. We must be honest and truthful in our interactions within and outside the body of Messiah. We must be bold, stand for and support the three T's of ministry, time, ties, and talent. With the, the kingdom of God, no, no matter your surrounding or your circumstances, because the enemy will attack you, and the minute you start tithing, the enemy will try to attack your finances. So you, you have to be bold and make that stand and say, I'm not going to relent in this. I am going to do this. I, I spoke a week ago 
about uh, fighting the Giants, facing your Goliaths. And, uh, and they come in many – they're not the same attack. Goliath had brothers. He had sons. Uh, but it comes in the areas of where we're trying to strive to serve Adonai in, and it will come with uh, you know, pushback from the enemy's side. But no matter what your surroundings, the atmosphere, the circumstances, you've got to be bold and stand for the kingdom in your time, your ties, and your talents. We have to live and walk in a biblical, ethical manner, both publicly and privately. Uh, there's a lot of move afoot today uh, of liberal, uh, I don't even know how I want to say it, uh, uh, churches today who are claiming that the Word of God is no longer infallible, that it's not absolute truth, and uh, that the Word does not connect with our modern circumstances, and nothing could be farther from the truth. As Solomon wrote, there's nothing new under the sun. We have to live and walk with a biblical worldview. We have to have an ethical manner, both publicly and privately. We can't have a dual life. I can't be one way in my own time and another way when I'm standing on the pulpit preaching the Word of God, when standing on the bima. It's got to be the same. And, and one of the things that people who know me have shared over the years is what you see is what you get. That's being a transparent, real, down-to-earth, this is what I am. Uh, there's no facade. There's no airs. Uh, you know, I, I am what I am. And when you get to know me, when you get to know the ministry, you, you come to understand that, uh, for the most part, that's true. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 11 through 14 says, Therefore, encourage each other and build each other up just as you are doing. So this is part of the transparency and accountability in the body of Messiah. We're to work with each other. Remember a couple of weeks ago was a National Brotherhood Week, and we have to work and encourage each other as brothers and sisters and build each other up. Verse 12 says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who are working hard among you, those who are guiding you in the Lord and confronting you in order to help you to change. Verse 13, Treat them with the highest regard and love because of the work they are doing. Live at peace among yourselves. Verse 14, but we urge you, brothers, to confront those who are lazy, your aim being to help them change, to encourage the timid, to assist the weak, and be patient with everyone. And so, you know, every kingdom leader has to give an account to Adonai for those who followed them in their lifetime. We have to encourage, confront to change, for good change, to transform ourselves not to this world, but to the kingdom of God, to encourage those who are lazy, to, to help those who are timid, to assist the weak. The, the only religion recorded in Scripture is to help the orphan and the widow, not to establish bureaucracies and, and, and major houses uh, and buildings and brick-and-mortar places. No, it's relational, and it's how we interact with each other that we reveal the kingdom and God's love through us unto others around us. And we will have to give an account to Adonai for those who followed us in their lifetime. Followers will give an account as well and how they demonstrated patience and submission to those Adonai put over them. Transparency requires brutal honesty. Hebrews 13, verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your lives as people who have to render an account. So make it a task of joy for them, not one of groaning, for that is of no advantage to you. I've had this happen many times over the years. Some people have received it well. Some people haven't received it well. But coming from a congregation leader as the shepherd, uh, that comes with a lot of corporate knowledge. And often people will try to get into other pastures, go to waters that aren't calm, and uh, and have the risk of getting themselves into trouble. And, and you confront them, carefront them in love, and share that, hey, this is this is not a good direction. This is dangerous. Uh, we've had issues in this area before. And I would say probably 60% of the time people have received that. Other time people get enraged. 
and uh, and don't want people speaking into their lives, which means they're not being transparent. They're not uh, abiding by Hebrews 13, verse 17. They're not obeying leaders and submitting to them uh, because this isn't draconian, Machiavellian leadership, but this is a shepherd process where we see the pitfalls and the dangers ahead and, and try to save you from falling into that pit, from falling into that sin, of being in an appropriate place at an inappropriate time and getting yourself in trouble. I will be held accountable, the word says, for obeying Adonai and tending the sheep. The congregate will be held accountable for how well they submitted and obeyed their leaders over them. Far too many congregation hoppers have never read this scripture, and they're in sin. Transparency is key for legitimacy. There's an undeniable relationship between transparency and trust. The more transparency you have, the more people will trust and respect you. A transparent leader is an inspirational leader. So how do we cultivate transparency? Well, the the steps are relatively straightforward uh, and relatively easy. For a leader, transparency is when you're able to share the right information in the right way at the right time and with the right people. And this is extremely critical for congregation leaders since we influence and lead people through the Word of God. So this is why this is such a tight um, synergy, such a tight relationship with being relevant, because as the world unfolds around us and things happen around us, people are afraid. They're scared. They want to know what's going on. We've had it more so in this last year. Now, we've suffered through in the last 20 years our 9-11s and Boston bombings, and we've had our Hurricane Katrinas. There's, you know, never a lack of Zurus. But this last year with COVID, and we're coming in now to just a year we've been suffering this, with lockdown orders and face masks and and what feels to be a suppression of our rights. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't, time will tell. Uh, But transparency is the key, and it's being able to relate the Word of God and the Kingdom of God to the surroundings around us and to influence people through the Word of God. Transparency means letting people see the real you, no facades, to be clear and communicate what you are thinking, where we're going, and why. I've been sharing this now for probably maybe three years I believe all the way back in 2017 on that Yom Teruah with the Revelation 12 sign that occurred in the heavens above our head prior to that 2014, 2015, we had the quad blood red moons on Pesach and Sukkot, Pesach and Sukkot. I believe the Lord has been getting our attention for years now, sharing with us that we're in a transition season, that we're preparing for the coming Messianic reign. And so we have to speak the Word of God into this and be able to clearly communicate this where God is taking us and why this is happening. This is part of the restoration of all things, Acts 3. And so to do so, we have to do so with great transparency, with integrity, character, and trustworthiness. The currency of leadership is credibility, which is obtained through transparency. That's a nugget you can write uh, on a piece of paper and stick to your refrigerator. The currency of leadership is credibility, which is obtained through transparency. The more people trust your motives and intentions, the more influence you will have with them. And is not that the basic principle of being a leader, to influence people for whatever cause or belief you hold? So in our case, we're children of God. So I want to influence people for the kingdom of God, for those who are in it to grow deeper in it, those who aren't in it to bring them into it. And so we have to do so with transparency. That's how people will trust our motives and our intentions. So how do we do this? Well, first of all, we must always be honest. You got to, people have to be able to see what I see. 
your perspective as a leader is different than that of the congregate. I, I'm always asked over the years, well, hey, Rabbi, can we do this? And, and I say, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but no, we can't. And, and many times it's like, well, I don't understand why. And so sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But, you know, I'll pause and back up and say, listen, here's what, and let me give you an example of this. I've had over the years someone say, hey, man, uh, you know, someone, someone turned 70 this week or someone turned 80 this Shabbat. Can we mention their birthday from the pulpit, from the Bima? We never do that. Never. And so for my perspective as a, as a congregation leader, the first time we miss somebody's anniversary, the first time we miss somebody's birthday, they're highly offended. And they want to know why I remember so-and-so and don't remember theirs. So you have to be so careful as a leader. you got to be brutally honest. Am I setting a precedence here that I won't be able to maintain and keep in the coming years? And so everything I do as a congregation leader, I look through the optics of the congregation. How will the sheep receive this? Is this good for the sheep? Is this dangerous for the sheep? Will this confuse the sheep? And so the, uh, my perspective as a leader is different than that of a congregate. So I have to share insight and help them see the bigger picture. Why would I do that? Why would I do that? But the more they see, the more you communicate with them, the more they will understand what you were sharing and ha- have the proper context of why we're going, where we're going, and what this is about. We have to be upfront and candid about problems and issues, letting people know that you don't always have all the answers, but you're open to questions and corrections. Admitting when you've made a mistake, this is so critical for transparency. And it's not easy. Hey, listen, I don't want to stand before the congregation and tell them what a moron I am because I did this or I did that. But yet it's absolutely a must to maintain that trust and credibility with the congregation. And, you know, there's times I get questions, and and this this is critical, but you have to be honest. Uh, I don't have the answer to everything all the time, but I know where that answer is. So when someone asks a question or inquires of me and I don't know the answer, I honestly say I don't know, but let's look this up. Let's find out because what I do know is the Word of God contains answers for every question you can have throughout life. And so don't avoid the subject. Don't ever uh, you know, embellish or or make up a story or give half truths or or do that intentionally because this is what's happened in religion. Here's a perfect example, and I've heard this. I still hear this today by well-meaning Christians who don't understand the culture and the Word of God. They don't understand biblical culture, and so I hear that when the high priest, you know, the outer vesture, the blue robe, had bells and pomegranates in the bottom hem. And, and I've heard the story that once a year in Yom Kippur, when they go to the Holy of Holies, they would tie a rope around the high priest. And if they didn't hear those bells jingling, they'd yank him out of there because his life was in danger. Well, where in the world does that come from? What scripture is that? There's no reference for that. In fact, if you go back and read Leviticus and Numbers, when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, all he wore was the white undergarments. He didn't wear that blue vesture. He didn't wear that with the pomegranates and bells on the bottom. So where did this fallacy come from? Well, it came from someone who didn't know the real answer, didn't bother to look it up. So somebody says, well, they tied a rope around him and they didn't hear those bells. They yanked him out. That's what it's for. And uh, and that's not truth. And so we don't want to give untruths. If we don't know the answer, then we got to be honest and say, you know, I don't know, but I'm going to look this up. I'm going to pray about it. And we will get an answer. Transparent honesty has to be the key for any leader that aspires to honesty and truth in all cases. Next, we have to be open to constructive criticism. I just mentioned that kind of a little bit. It's easier to avoid or ignore criticism than to listen to the complaints and questions. Transparency means that you will receive constructive criticism. I've talked about this before in communication. 
constructive criticism is highlighting an actual issue. And, uh, and I think I've shared this before, but if you haven't heard it, if you have heard it, bear with me. If you haven't, then you're going to enjoy this. But our first week on Oasis Radio, and that's been 16 years ago, in 2005, we got on our local. Now we're uh, on all the broadcast towers uh, across the U.S., but initially this was just here on 91.5 Oasis here in Hampton Roads. And I was, I was making a reference to the book of Revelation, and I said, open to the book of Revelations 2, verse yeah, 5. I'm not sure what the verse was. But within seconds of that broadcast, the office phone rang. And this now, his delivery could have been much more in love. But he was like, you know, whoever that guy is, whoever this rabbi is, he sounds like an ignorant moron. Because if he'd open up his scripture, you'd see it's the book of Revelation. Not Revelations, but Revelation. So when he speaks like that, He's putting a bad shade over all of Christendom, and it's really disrespectful. He should speak the word and truth, and he hung up the phone. <laughs> and at first, my my face got flushed. I'm like, wow, who is this guy? But then he's right, and I've never done that since. And once in a while, I'll pun, I'll laugh. Those who know the story, I'll say, open to the book of Revelation. And uh, and those who know the story, they they chortle when, when they hear me do this. But transparency means you receive constructive criticism. It's the ability to be corrected without feeling rejected, to be teachable, to, to listen to criticism. You earn the person's respect and trust. And, and I'm going to say this again, constructive criticism. I've had people just say, I don't like you. I don't like your broadcast. Uh, okay, well, hey, I'm sorry, don't tune in then. Or, you know, that's not constructive criticism. If there's areas, and I'm always striving to improve myself, this is something we do in the staff, uh, we do it in the IT department, we do it in the worship department, we're always striving to, to improve ourselves, to bring people in to help us, because we want to honor God. We do everything with a spirit of excellence. We want to do the very best we can possibly do, not to garner man's praise, but to garner the praise of him who we serve. In the end, we want to hear him say, well undone, my good and faithful servant. That's our goal. And so it's never too old to have a teachable spirit. It's never too old to learn to be better and to improve yourself, and more importantly, to grow in our relationship with the Lord. So we have to be open to new ideas, to listen and respond to constructive criticism that will actually help. And, uh, and you know, uh, the more transparent we are, the more open we are, then people are, are more open to questioning and, and being involved with what you're doing and getting aboard the vision and where you're going. Transparency requires confronting difficult situations. And uh, and again, these are other areas we've talked about in Kadima Talks, but these are all undergirdings of being transparent. Most people avoid conflict more than anything else. Unresolved conflict is like a cancer that festers in the congregation or your organizations. Situations must be dealt with swiftly to avoid further damage. That can even lead to congregation splits. People want to know what's going on. And when you, the leader, they want to assume you know more than they do. And sometimes that's true and sometimes it isn't. But when it is, people want to know what you know and that you're working to resolve this. To, to pull back the curtain. Doing this reduces their anxiety. It gives them better information and reduces the amount of gossip in your organization. In fact, I've had people come to me after I dealt with a situation. And he, listen, I could be honest here. I've been trained to deal with confrontation. It's not necessarily something I look forward to because I've heard people say, well, Rabbi, you don't have any problem confronting. Well, I've, I've learned to be upfront, to be transparent. If I'm going to bring someone in to talk to them about an issue, 
I'm going to get right to the point. I'm not going to beat her because I tried that. You know, you try to, what I tried to not do in the first five years of ministry was be the senior chief that I was in the Navy. And although there's many tools and tennis that work very well in the Navy, I'm not in the Navy anymore. This is a volunteer organization and it takes different styles. It's got a loving, contrite heart to share with people and to work with people. So I would try to, hey, you know, and I would dance around a mountain and not be direct. And the next week, that person would come right in and do the same exact thing uh, that we didn't want them to do. So I learned then, you can care front in love, but be direct, cut right to the point. Hey, look, here's the deal. During this, don't do this. That's against our policies. The congregation doesn't operate that way. And let me give you a perfect example. Uh, if, unless we know you and you're assigned as one of our prayer people who come down front for altar calls, we don't allow people to lay hands on each other. Understanding shmicha, ordination, the transference by laying on of hands, this is right from Scripture, that this is, can be good and this can be bad. I talked about this, uh, the past Kadima talk about ordination. But if we don't know you, we don't know who you are, where you're from. You could be a witch. You could be demonic. We don't know who you are. So if you come in the congregation and you're here for a visit and someone says, hey, I need some prayer, and you start laying your hands on this person, uh, someone's going to care front you and say, we don't allow that here. Now, I've had one or two people who's been offended over the years. In general, not. But I've had one or two, oh, I can't believe the Lord told me. Well, until he tells me, you're not doing that here. And so this results and having a healthier congregation and keeping things out that shouldn't be in here. And so to do this, uh, you know, we've, we've got to confront. We've got to do it in love. But the, I've dealt with situations over the years, and people come to me a couple of days later and said, oh, my gosh, thank goodness. Because you know what? Unless this was resolved with, we are almost prepared to not come anymore because we couldn't stand to be around this person anymore. And so when you've got people who are divisive, when you have people that are speaking something contrary to the message of God, contrary to what you're saying as a leader, then you've got to call that person in. And if they're not willing to change or conform, then, you know, it's probably best for them to go somewhere else. Number four, integrity. We must be trustworthy. We have to set an example to be consistent and to be predictably honest, to have your words believed. This is why it's so critical that we go through the word and what to be like the people of Berea and to spend that time and to deliver the word correctly in spirit and in truth. And that's how you earn people's confidence, knowing what to say about people to people. Integrity is what you do when you believe no one is watching. And so this is cross-pollinated with character and who we are as a person of God. We have to be consistent. And some people, people at some point, people want to know what they're buying into. So you've got to be clear with a vision. You, you've got to trust. And in that trust and that transparency, and if you are clear with people where you're going, uh, they will grow and you will grow, and the quantity and quality of the congregation and congregate will increase. We must leave from our biblical scriptural values. There must be the values that we hold most dearly. We must have that biblical worldview. We've got to be crystal clear and lead from the front. You'll be more influential, more consistent, and more transparent because you're coming from that place of absolute truth. Just recently, a progressive Nashville church has drawn the ire of the internet after sharing a message on social media declaring, get this, that the Bible isn't the word of God, inerrant or infallible, discussing the Bible in the questions, what is progressive Christianity? And it said that they're open to the, ten to the tensions and inconsistencies of the Bible. They went on to say that we know it can't live up to impossible modern standards. Wow. 
Now, you can Google this article. You can go look at it. I'm not going to mention the pastor's name. I'm not going to mention the congregation's name because that's inappropriate. But there's more and more of this happening today. Our standards can't stray from the Word of God. I cannot disagree with this more emphatically. God's Word is infallible. God's Word is absolute truth. It has the moral and ethical standards for a correct, upright life before God. And when followed, the power of God will be upon you. Truth is so unpopular these days, but it doesn't mean that it shouldn't be proclaimed. Mankind, humankind, is made up of emotional beings, but emotions can lie to us and deceive us. When truth is mixed with air, it always leads to compromise. If our minds and hearts are not filled with God's truth, something else would take its place. Cynicism, occultism, false religions, philosophies, drugs, the list is endless. That was a quote by Reverend Billy Graham. In Isaiah 65, verses 1 through 6, the Lord said, I made myself accessible to those who didn't ask for me. I let myself be found by those who didn't seek me. I said, Hanani, here I am. That heinous is a complex Hebrew phrase which indicates readiness, alertness, attentiveness, receptivity, and responsiveness and obedience to instruction. He said, I said, Hanani to a nation not called by my name. I spread out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who live in a way that is not good, who follow their own inclinations. Makash Abba in Hebrew, which is their own thoughts, devices, plans, purposes, or invention. A people who provoke me to my face all the time, sacrificing in gardens and burning incense on bricks. They sit among the graves and spend the night in caverns. They eat pig meat and their pots hold soup made from disgusting things. Yet they say, keep your distance, uh, don't come near me because I'm holier than you. These are a smoke of my nose, a fire that burns all day. See, it is written before me, I will not be silent until I repay them. I will repay them to the full. God calls out to a nation that includes sinners that may not have called out to him. But in an extraordinary gesture, he spreads out his hands to them, vice humans spreading their hands out to God, which is usually the case. What is being described here are pagan cultic practices and rituals among those who profess to follow Adonai, worship of, praying to the dead, sitting among the graves. It's a wordplay, a Hebrew idiom of being spiritually dead. Engaged in disgusting practices, they become haughty and say they're holier than others. Adonai states these practices result in charges written down, recorded before him, all these disgusting practices for which he will repay. These people walk in idolatrous, pagan, false religion, even though God has called out to them and made himself available. It's critical to see what makes him angry, following our own thoughts, inclinations, and religious inventions. This brings me back to David and the Psalms. There must be transparency. We have to have an open heart. Oh, God, search me. Search me for these inclinations. Search my heart, my thoughts, that I don't have any of these before you. This has burdened me for decades. It's a driving force behind what I do for Adonai. I desire and seek the salvation of all Israel, but I also seek the same for all Christian, all believers who fall into this scripture, this category, for Gentile restoration and reconciliation with Messianic Israel, engaging in traditions and religious practices contrary to scripture. Many falsely believe all is well. And this is what's happening with this congregation in Nashville. I can tell you all is not well with them. This could quite possibly be the greatest deception ever known in the kingdom of God in the history of mankind. Breaking through this facade of falsehood is almost impossible. Many, many times I've just wanted to shake believers and scream at them, wake up. I feel such anguish and heartache over those who engage in false unscriptural practices and expressions of worship that alienate themselves from Adonai, his kingdom, and his son that results in severe judgment. I'm not worried about who'll be offended when I speak truth. I'm concerned about those who will be misled, deceived, and punished if I don't. 
I'm concerned if I'm not transparent enough to hold <laughs> the credibility, the currency of leadership, which is credibility, which comes through transparency. It requires all of these things we've talked about to break through, to see God's sovereign glory poured out upon us as a people, as a nation, and for the revival of Israel and the land and the people. Mishpachah, I pray this has blessed you. We must move forward in transparency in these days. Again, I'm going to bring this up. I normally don't do this, but he's passed. But the Ravi Zacharias scandal, these, what I've spoken about today speaks directly to this. There's got to be transparency. As a leader in the kingdom of God, you cannot lead a dual life. We can't be doing one thing in the evening and something else when we're in public. We must be transparent. We must be humble. We must be accountable to those around us. And more importantly, we must be accountable to God because all of our actions matter before him. We will be judged on judgment day for what we do, what we say, and what we believe. Those things must align with the word of God and reconcile to everything in his word. Be transparent, Mishpacha, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom. Shalom.